What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, budget season has officially begun, my friends, after Mayor Brandon Johnson released his very first budget forecast last week. Mariah Wolf will cover city government for WBEZ. She talked with lead producer Simone Alisea about why the forecast matters and what to watch for over the next couple of months. It's Monday, September 18th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Mariah Wolfel, who is in City Hall right now. Welcome back to CityCast Chicago. Thanks, Simone. It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah. Before we get into kind of what we actually learned from the budget forecast, let's kind of set the stage here. You're right. This is not the actual budget. Um, this is just a forecast. What What is this and why does it matter? Why do we care about what this announcement was? Sure. So the budget forecast, as you said, it's not the real budget. It's not the address. It is a primer to set residents up for what sort of sacrifices the city is going to have to make. Usually that's usually the context, which is, you know, what is the budget shortfall? And then in the budget address next month is where we'll hear what the mayor is going to do to close that that gap because the city can't legally operate on a budget gap. And so they have to close it every year. And so whether that's through pop property taxes, through cuts, through new fines and fees, through new revenue, um, they will have to, the mayor will have to find a way to close that gap. And so it's kind of like, here's what our gap is and here's why. Here's what revenue looked like in the past year and what we're projecting it to look like next year. And um, in this case, it's the mayor's first budget season. So there's a lot, I think, to say about it. Yeah. Uh, so what was that gap? How much is it? And, and what is causing it? Yeah. So it's a $538 million gap, which $538 million, I mean, could, can you can your brain even fathom like what you would do with that <laughs> amount of money? But um, in the context of a budget gap, it is certainly not the biggest that the city has faced in recent years. Mayor Lori Lightfoot during her tenure faced a $1 billion budget gap. Um, and so it is significant. It is it will require, as the mayor has put it, sacrifices, but it's not massive or, you know, historically huge. Um, but no, it, it is big and uh, and it's something he'll have to he'll have to address. You know, speaking of uh, former Mayor Lori Lightfoot, you know, right before she left office, her her administration had also put out, um, you know, a, a, a forecast, a prediction of, of the budget gap, sort of touting a really a much smaller gap. It was something like eighty five million dollars. Right. Five hundred thirty eight million. Much, much bigger than eighty five million. What has happened in the intervening months that's that's caused this increase? 
Yes. So that was an unusual move. That it, that was not a regular thing. That's not a regular time when the city releases a budget forecast. But hmm. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, one of her, you know, proudest accomplishments were the fiscal moves that she made that she sees as putting the city back on track with its finances. She made an advance. She implemented a policy where the city makes an advance pension payment. So more than is legally required by state law um, after decades of underfunding our pension programs, which is kind of why we're in the mess that we are now. And so she wanted to solidify her fiscal legacy and say, hey, look, I came in with a 700 plus million dollar budget gap from Rahm Emanuel, and I've gotten this down to $85 million. Um, Johnson's team did not buy that and kind of saw it for what many people saw it as, a move that that was meant to put Johnson on the defense if if mm. his budget gap was much larger than that. What's fueling the budget gap is a, an increase in costs associated with supporting asylum seekers and new arrivals to the city of Chicago. The city's going to spend at least $255 million on that from August of when the first bus arrived to the end of this year. And those costs are just going to continue um, through next year. It's not this isn't a crisis that's just going to go away. Um, it's fueled by rising personnel costs. So 90% of the city's employees are represented by a collective bargaining agreement. So they are unionized and they are due cost of living raises. They are due dif- you know, different sorts of raises, um, healthcare costs increasing. And so those are kind of the main drivers. But there's also this one other driver, which is $88 million of the gap is caused by Johnson's decision to not raise property taxes at the rate of inflation. Yeah, I was I was going to ask a little bit about this because I think this is interesting to people. Right. Anytime we talk property taxes and raising property taxes, I think people's ears perk up a little bit. Right. Um, You know, this this. This is a little wonky, but there was this sort of tie to inflation that was enacted that basically said, you know, as inflation rises, so will property taxes. So so what was that and what is the change that has been made exactly and why is this causing kind of an issue? Yeah. So fiscal experts will tell you one of the reasons we're in the mess with underfunded pensions and had to, you know, be legally required by the state to be on this ramp to increase our pension payments that have just ballooned in the past decade Um as legally mandated, is because of politicians essentially keeping property taxes flat by not raising them even as inflation rose. And so Mayor Lightfoot decided to do an automatic increase each year, but one that you can opt out of, as we saw her do during an election season last year. And and the reason that, you know, for so many years, we skipped property taxes is because property tax increases are not popular and they are a driver of residents not wanting to own and live in the city of Chicago. And so um, Lightfoot tied inflation, tied property taxes, as you said, to the rate of inflation, but capped at 5%. Anyways, it's very wonky. Johnson campaigned on getting not raising property taxes whatsoever. And so he, in his budget forecast, says he's going to make good on that promise. Now, this is a forecast. It can change. He plans to introduce his full budget in October. So we'll get the sense, we'll get the, you know, final answer then on whether he will raise property taxes then. Uh, but his decision to not raise property taxes this year is causing an $88 million hole in the budget that he'll also have to make up for. 
particularly because property tax increases go directly to pensions. Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you could transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. In addition to sort of doubling down on that promise not to raise property taxes, are there any other priorities that Johnson outlined uh, as as this forecast was coming out that, you know, again, as you said, we won't have the actual budget proposal uh, until next month. But but any other sort of indications of, of where he's leaning, where he's going on and what he wants to do here? Yeah. So in terms of spending, he is going to keep that light foot policy of paying advance a, a, a larger amount on pensions than required. He's saying he's going to do around $300 million more than on, on top of what's required. So the pension payment will be about $2.7 billion um, with that $300 million advance. Um, that's one priority, which is, you know, a fiscal priority. It's not one that, you know, is, is easy and for, for residents to understand as something that affects their daily lives, but it's it's something that was revealed in this budget forecast. He's also predicting spending $149 million at least on the um, efforts to support migrants, which is also contributing to the budget gap. You know, Mariah, there, was, there has been so much talk about Johnson, his new administration, how progressive uh, this administration may or may not be. And I feel like we've all just been kind of waiting for this budget to come out to see like, is it really like, is it really going to be or is it not really going to be? Yeah, I mean, I think that he has a lot of flexibility. He has talked about how he's going to be deliberate, how you can't change something overnight. But I do think that this budget, he's going to want to make some, he's going to want to indicate that these things are priorities for him. I think, you know, we might see some movement on him reopening mental health clinics, for instance, we might see um, some movement on the Department of, Vi- of Environment. You know, progressives have long fought for a fully fledged Department of Environment to handle environmental racism that's long standing in the city of Chicago. And so we might see, you know, small step towards these things. But speaking of the budget gap, it is going to make it very hard for the mayor to, to in one year, um, make good on these bold and expensive promises that he has. Um, but I do think what we'll see is sort of a consensus budget where he'll, you know, have to kind of work within the bounds of a $500 million gap, um, but also maybe some signs of progress that he'll be able to point to and say, look, 
Like these are signs that we are taking these things seriously and we have three more years to continue on these promises. So we're expecting that that budget proposal in October. What's kind of the timeline after that uh, in terms of the city's budgeting process? It's essentially just like a two week long recessed budget hearing that starts every morning, goes late into the evening and then restarts the next day where every department head comes and testifies before the city council gets grilled by aldermen. Um, And so that is from, you know, mid-October to the end of October. And then we'll do budget amendments. These things, the budget will go through city council. The mayor will tweak his proposal based on, you know, if he's getting pressure for certain things. Um, and then there will be a vote. And they are trying to get this passed before Thanksgiving, which is a really tight turnaround. We will see if that happens, but they have to get it passed by the end of the year to start operating on this budget next year. So it has to be passed before the end of the year and it has to be balanced. We can't have any any gaps or any uh, any deficits running with that budget. Yes, exactly. Are there going to be more chances for the public to weigh in on proposals as they emerge? Yeah. So each of the budget hearings will start with testimony from public commenters. But I think the main way to make a difference now is by calling your aldermen and telling them what's important to you. Um, The city held a series of roundtables before um, the season really got underway to hear from residents. I think it was like three or four, um, which to me, I mean, it doesn't, it's, I feel like there needs, there need to be more. Um, But I think aldermen and the mayor would say, you know, you do always have a way to engage in city politics and that's going into your ward office or calling your aldermen, call them every day if it's something you really care about and getting them to pay attention because then in these budget hearings, I mean, these council members, they are asking direct questions of commissioners who run the city. They're asking direct questions of streets and sanitation department who provides you with garbage cans. And so if you don't have garbage cans, or garbage juice is leaking from garbage trucks throughout the city, which we have seen in previous budget hearings, then like you can speak through your alderman who can raise that. And you might not get answers. That's a whole other thing. But at least you can, you know, start to get it raised and potentially get attention on this issue. We've got as, you know, at least a couple more months on on city budget season. Uh, why should why should we care? I did a story on participatory democracy a a couple of weeks back where aldermen actually have their residents decide how to spend their so-called menu money. It's $1.5 million that each alderman gets to, you know, pay for infrastructure improvements in their ward. And I talked to experts in participatory democracy who say democracy has to be more than just going to the ballot box and voting. Like it's, it is a very, I think, American idea that like that is the only form of practicing democracy. But I think like the city of Chicago operates on a $16 billion budget. And the more that we understand that as residents and can pressure our city council members to spend money on what residents want to see and will affect their daily lives, the city will be a better place. So that's kind of just, uh, uh, I don't know, like a wholesome or maybe naive way to look at it. But um, that's why I think it's important and why it's, yeah, it's good to be engaged. And it's why I like to cover budget season and why I'm looking forward to it. We look forward to it too. Mariah Wolf will cover City Hall for WBEZ. Thanks so much for joining CityCast Chicago. Thanks, Simone. It was a pleasure talking to you. 
Before I let you go, a little bit of news. The elimination of cash bail officially begins today across all of Illinois' 102 counties. That's after years of legal challenges kept the Pretrial Fairness Act on hold. To learn more about what this means for the state's criminal legal system, head over to chicago.citycast.fm and make sure you subscribe to Hey Chicago, our daily newsletter. There's some good news. It's National Hispanic Heritage Month, and Chicago is offering plenty of opportunities to celebrate and learn. The Field Museum is hosting bilingual story time for young people tomorrow and a live bomba performance Saturday. The Cubs will host their celebration tomorrow night at Wrigley with the Sox following up later this month. And this weekend, the National Museum of Mexican Arts Dia de Muertos, or Day of the Dead, exhibit opens. As always, we appreciate you for listening. We're going to talk to you bright and early tomorrow. Peace.